This story has been recorded at an Addictive Eaters Anonymous meeting in New Zealand. You can email us at contact at aeanz.org. Now tonight is the first Friday of the month and it's a speaker's meeting. And our speaker this evening is Celine. Thank you, Fran. I'm Celine. I'm an addictive eater. Hi, um, Thank you for asking me. <clears throat> mm. um, tried not to think too much about it. Um, when Robin was um, speaking at the web event recently, I think it was the web event, it was really helpful for me that she said she was nervous um, because it's funny how that happens. Um, I, I'll just talk for a little bit about uh, what it was like for me and what I've found here. Um, I was very, very resistant to come here. Um, I didn't... Um, I wasn't one of those people who always knew I had a problem with food and I think that is because I was able to, the disease was so strong in me that I was just able to justify it, you know, just um, justify normal, that's what I, you know, always made up the rules around the food <clears throat> and justified that that was normal, you know, because some people did calorie count, you know, some people, when I watched people eat, you know, when people had morning or afternoon tea, I'd watch how much they ate, and I would try and do that. Um, and so I tried to have all these rules around food, but but those rules were really warped, and I didn't stick to them, but I tried to justify it in my head that I had. And um, so I was the kind of eater um, that got a huge amount of pleasure out of food. I loved it, had a love affair with it. Um, and I remember, you know, from a very young age, the looking forward to eating, you know, my addictive behaviours that I, you know, because I'm multi-addicted, I've got it, I've got addictive disease, food's one of the substances. Um, food is one of the things, shoplifting food. Um, one of the things I did is also obsessing about boys and doing other things. Um, <clears throat> but it was all around the rules and the weight. I was very didn't want to be overweight, and um, tried to vomit, couldn't vomit, um, so I'd restrict. And um, I've talked about it here, about you know being a, a young child, and we were Catholic, and we'd give up certain things for Lent, and I always gave up some sort of food, usually lollies. We didn't get much of that sort of stuff at my home, but my nana bought us lollies all the time, and so I'd save all them up. I think it was for six weeks or something like that. And I would just open the drawer and look at them, all through Lent. Never ate one. Um, and my siblings, some of who have ended up in here as well, um, hated that because they they didn't feel that they could do that. But that was all part of the control for me. It was, um, you know, I would get given a bag of chips, and they were the big crinkles in those days. And I would I could eat one crinkle and put the chip back in the bag you know, and bring it out the next day. So my siblings, you know, three days later, they'd eaten theirs, you know, in 10 minutes, and I, Celine would still be bringing out the bag of chips, eating some crinkles and putting them back. Because if I had my kit of tools for my addiction, I knew I was all right. And when later, you know, I did it with alcohol and drugs and 
other very destructive things, you know, and um, that kit, you know, up in the top of, you know, illegal drugs and stuff, you know, so that was just part of the disease and around control. And um, so, um, but what I did know um, very early on, early teens, was that there was something wrong with me mentally. I thought I was crazy. Um, and, and some of the things I was doing with the food around then was eating, um, hiding food under my bed and, you know, and then getting um, food poisoning. So there was things that were really abnormal about food. Um, but I still thought I didn't actually connect that. I didn't, I didn't know that putting a pie under your bed for three days and then eating it, you know, would cause you to be sick. <laughs> and I never connected it when I was vomiting, you know. <laughs> Um, and my mother was like really worried because I'm really ill. I never thought it was the pie, you know. So this is the justification to me of to how to keep doing those things, you know, and shoplifting and stealing money um, and stealing milk tokens and all those things to pay for my food. Um, so I did know that I was unable to form friendships that were healthy and I didn't know how to do life, I didn't know how to be a friend, I just lived my life in fear. Feared people, feared adults, feared other kids and lived my life in fantasy actually and um, and it was very isolated. I, I couldn't function at school and high school and I would just leave and sit in the graveyard, you know, just on my own because I was happier doing that and um, you know so I learned here that um, addictive disease is progressive and um, it progressed in other ways it progressed in my mind you know that um, mental unwellness and um, so I started trying to find a solution for that you know going to doctors and well not really doctors counsellors therapists groups courses you know at anger management um, self-esteem assertiveness, parenting, t tons of parenting, because I had my children very young and I didn't know how to parent them. Um, and I was had this moral, I had this moral compass that I could never live up to. And you know, I hated it the way I treated my kids. You know, I was my my children would say that I was often loving as a mother, um, but then I'd just be like a psycho. You know, and um, and it was just so um, destructive and damaging, and I hated it. I used to lie awake in bed at night and think what I'd do differently, and I'm not going to yell in the morning, I'd say. And then the next thing in the morning I'd be yelling, and I'd be calling them names and saying things that I really didn't want. And um, I'd put holes in walls and kick to the dog and all those kind of things. And so then I'd go to a course to try and fix myself and think it was about my damaged childhood. You know, my parents were alcoholics and I'd, that was a red herring for me. I'd try and fix, but I was never honest with those. I was never really completely honest with those counsellors and, you know, people because I'd give them Celine's version <laughs> of events. And, you know, I know that that's part of the disease of um, covering up to, so that it can continue and um, I found this fellowship um, because 
I went, my, my brother went into treatment, but also um, I went um, to another counsellor who was actually a member of AA, I didn't know it at the time, and he sent me to AA. People from this fellowship made themselves known to me, and I was so, so grateful for that, and I still am, that around the food. And I just said, if it gets bad enough, I'll, I'll come. And I remember um, talking to Leonie one day on the phone, um, and I said, you know, if it gets really bad, I can't remember what, what I said, but I remember Leonie said to me, um, I don't like your chances. <laughs> you know, my family situation, but my behaviour, you know, don't like your chances, oh gosh. Um, but the thing is, is that I knew where to come. I knew, I, I knew I wasn't looking to go to Princess Margaret or any other weight control thing. You know, I knew that, you know, if it really got bad enough, um, this was the place to come. Because I knew about 12-step fellowship from a young age because I'd seen this family member. I knew there was something special about 12-step fellowships. This family friend of mum and dad's who was drinking alcohol like in a teacup, you know, whiskey at 7am, who got sober. It was a completely different man. Um, so I knew there was something. And, um, and then these other people that were here um, and what they talked about, how they used to be, I knew there was something special. And um, of course, because the disease is progressive, that got worse. And I came here and still I didn't want to have to do what all of you did, I thought. Um, I love that saying here that half measures availed us nothing. Um, because I thought half measures might avail me some degree of comfort. <laughs> um, my experience is that half measures availed me nothing. I tried to do, I tried, I did some things but wasn't prepared to surrender and I couldn't have even articulated that but I just wasn't prepared to give up everything. And, um, and that's not just the food because I was on a food plan but I wasn't prepared to give up everything and um, I didn't get better. You know, and um, I remember when that time happened for me and, you know, the Achilles heel for me was this living in fear of what people thought of me. And um, when I was prepared to give that up and actually be really honest and open with people, things changed. And um, I remember saying for years in, this, in these meetings, um, I hope that was the last one. I, I don't know whether I'm going to stay sober, but um, I have. You know, sobriety has, has happened for me. And, um, and I used to be so terrified. I used to be terrified to read, you know, in a meeting. And I always used to think, when those readings come to me, I'm not going to read it because I'm too scared. But I never not read it um, because I knew other people did the things that made them uncomfortable here. And, um, and so for me, it has worked for me. And... Um, the food is not an issue for me anymore. It took probably, I don't know, I've heard other people say a couple of years, I'd say at least two or three years for me, for me not to have this obsession with wanting to eat. Um, but I heard it here a lot. Just get your head on the pillow, don't pick up the first one. It's that staying in the day, one day at a time, one moment at a time. And I, when it fundamentally came down to it, I did not want to eat, you know. And um, I remember again talking either to my sponsor or to my sponsor's sponsor about it. And 
they said, do you want to eat? And I said, no, I don't. I've got this terrible craving, but I don't want to eat. I just don't. And um, I didn't have to. And yeah, and so um, for me, it, it, my spiritual experience is the educational variety. I was thinking about it today, and I was thinking um, every time Tony shares, he usually says, let go and let God. Every time Tina shares, um, she talks about God a lot. My sponsor shares, talks about God a lot. Her sponsor shares and talks about God a lot, and I love that. You know, I love it when um, people talk about their spiritual experience and what worked for them and what they've found, and that's worked for me too. And... Um, so for me, um, it doesn't mean that you get immune from life happening um, because that's what I used to want in the substances and the behaviours. I wanted to be free from pain and discomfort because I couldn't cope with it. Um, and I, I probably had worse things happen to me in recovery as far as happen, the stuff that happens, life things that happen. You know, I can't control those things. Um, in recovery, those things, there's worse things that have happened to me. And um, and what I've found with that is this, you know, I have a, I have a spiritual solution. I have this program and, you know, I have a way. And, um, but recently I, you know, um, people talk about that cunning, baffling and powerful disease and it's never about the substance for me these days, but it's about the thinking, the overthinking and the... Um, trying to fix it myself and things that have happened that I haven't wanted to happen that I've tried to fix. And it's, I, I just do know that that disease is just sitting there because it's, it's that justifiable, okay, well, you better find a solution for this. And it's not my job, you know, it just isn't. And um, it's very, I find it very easy to forget, you know, that it is about um, let go and let God and one moment at a time living in the now, that actually my experience has been is that nothing I've thought about has been fixed. <laughs> you know, nothing I've focused on to try and fix myself has actually been fixed. It's actually living this program as a way of life um, is where the solution has been for me. And um, so I will just finish on... Um, it's very hard to talk about. There's so much I could talk about about recovery you know and um, what what that is for me and um, I, I do love my life you know I have you know my husband is still with me and um, that wasn't going to be happening way back um, and I have a really fortunate life and I, I think the thing I could say the most is that I'm able to see beauty in life you know where I couldn't before you know I'm just able to appreciate you know just nature and all its beauty and, um, and people and animals. You know, I was at the dog park again today, um, which is Charlie's happy place, our little dog. Um, but it's also my happy place. If you ever want to go to a happy place, go to a dog park because it's just like, it's just joy. It's just they're all enjoying themselves. It's just lovely. But um, Kerry said to me the other day, you know, Kerry has done lots of things that I'm proud of Kerry for. Um, one of them is that he's been a donor for some families. And, um, and we've just had a new little grandchild born a couple of weeks ago, little James. Kerry's got three little boys now. 
um, to different families and um, just such a gift for those families and their lovely families. Um, but Kerry was just saying to me, um, the oldest of his children, who's three and a half, um, Kerry said that the parent, one of the parents was talking to Kerry the other day and um, said that the biggest joy for them about all of this, because they know what Kerry's like, um, is having me and Paul in their lives. And um, yeah, it's not lost on me, you know, that um, those joys is not something that I ever would have had if I was eating. I would not have that, you know, and um, and that is just being available to those people and um, and just the simple things that we know to do. But I could never have done that on my own. And um, so I'm very grateful, very grateful for all of you, for the sponsors and the people that do the service and the people that come to meetings and give me my treatment. And... Um, and dear for all the, the joy that I get given here. So I will keep coming. Thank you.